Welcome to the Fulfillment Project. I'm your host, Sarah Fennell, international fitness model and former IFBB Pro figure athlete, turned personal development sponge, entrepreneur, and online marketing junkie. I want to have it all in life, and I am not afraid to admit it. This show is for high-performing, high-vibing humans who are ready to take action, step through their fears, and up-level their life and business. Join me as we take one more step closer to that today. Hello, hello. Welcome, friend. My name is Sarah. I am your host, and this is The Fulfillment Project, where I help you build and live out a fulfilling and profitable fitness business. It gives me no better desire than to see someone truly, truly step through in a passion that they love, which is why I do what I do, because I see so many fitness professionals struggling to actually make an income or the impact that they're desiring to make. Today is Thursday, and if you are a longtime listener, you know what that means. This means that we have a guest with us here today. So I'm going to introduce you to Coach JC. He is an entrepreneur a strength coach, life coach, author, and a motivational speaker. But it didn't start that way for him, like many stories. He also owns numerous fitness facilities that we'll get into talking about. And truly, the message from this entire conversation that I have with JC really just comes down to understanding and owning your story and owning those parts and those moments in your life that maybe you thought were a do or die moment that you thought were your lowest moments, your darkest moments, and how you can actually utilize them and capitalize on them to make the massive moves and changes and advancements and up leveling in your life down the road. So we've talked about pulling out stories a little bit on this podcast, but I think it's really important for us to understand that our story ultimately creates that experience of where we're leading to next, of what we can coach on next, of what we can share our real life experiences and struggles and knowledge in to be able to help people through those troubles as well. So this conversation with JC was absolutely amazing. I'm not going to delay this anymore. We're going to jump right into it. Hello, JC. Welcome to The Fulfillment Project. I know that you're about to bring some massive energy right now because your energy is so contagious. Yeah, yeah. Come on, girl. I'm super stoked to be on. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. We we happen to connect. So those listening here, JC and I met uh, about a month and a half ago. We were at uh, Bedros and Craig's Empire Mastermind, and we had a little time to chat and connect and share stories. And I thought, I got to have this guy on the show because you've... Your, your story is pretty incredible. Well, yeah, you know, I've been blessed and honored to uh, go through some things and be able to bounce back. And now, you know, I, I've been blessed to now use my story to be able to impact uh, people from all walks of life to know that, yes, anything is possible and all things do work together for good. So I'm super stoked and excited uh, to deliver this podcast today. And I know that your listeners and I'm believing that your listeners will be blessed uh, with the message that we bring. Yes, yes. So just give us a, sh- a snapshot. What do you currently do right now in your business? Businesses, I guess. So me personally, I'm uh, more of like a leadership role in the businesses right now, but we have a few things going on. Number one is we run uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is where I'm residing right now. We actually run a program called Bootcamp Tulsa, Sarah. It's the first ever outdoor fitness program for women. We have eight different locations 
um, throughout the city. Um, we started that in 2008. So that's one side of the business. The other side of the business is dynamic sports development, which is actually a brick and mortar sports performance facility where we've been blessed to train. And that's where I got my start in the strength and conditioning industry at the collegiate level. But at Dynamic Sports Development, we train athletes from all different calibers. Some of the top professional athletes in the world fly into Tulsa, train with us every single year. And we started at seven years old. And then we also run a nonprofit called Fit First Responders, where we are responsible for training uh, law enforcement, fire, medics, our military. And that's grown now where we've trained over 2,000 first responders, over 500 show up every single day to our facility in Tulsa to be fit for duty and fit for life over 70 agencies. So I, I'm, I'm now in a leadership role. I have an amazing team, which I think is, uh, is the key to winning in life, is building the right people and surrounding yourself around the right people. So I have an amazing team. Um, I play a leadership role now. I don't do as much coaching um, because I wrote a few books now, four books later. I get to travel and speak and, and do a lot of in the life coaching and personal development industry. So uh, it's it, we're super excited. We're having a lot of fun. But my wife says this, Sarah, is you are not allowed to take on anything else. So I'm done. <laughs> She's like, your mantras win all day. If you take on anything else, you will not be winning all day sleeping on a couch. So nothing else. Yeah, it's hard when you're like, oh, this is amazing. And this is a great opportunity. And like, you know, Joe and I are very much the same. We're very high vibing, high energetic, high performing people. And you want to do everything and all those great ideas or opportunities that come up. But and I think like, you know, we really learned this in Craig and Bedros's mastermind, just like simplify and really gain that clarity. So uh, you, I know you're going to bring so much value to our audience because, you know, you started your your, your studio and your gym from the ground up. And now you're in that leadership role, which I think so many people are striving to get to out of the, like the grinding, you know, training client after client after client. Um, so I want to dive into all that before we do that. Would you take us back to explain your story? I know you have a really powerful impacting story of, of how this really all began for you. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah. So I was brought up in New Jersey, uh, on the Jersey shore um, and I grew up with, uh, you know, a compassion to help people just win in life. I grew up a uh, single mom, raised me and my sister. Um, and we were we, we didn't have a lot growing up financially, but uh, we had a lot from a morale perspective. My mom did a great job of teaching us morals and, you know, hey, you can go and do and be anything you want in life. And, you know, I always felt and took on a role that I had to rescue my my family, my sister and my mom from, you know, the poverty that we grew up in. And, you know, we grew up, you know, using food stamps and, and visiting local food pantries, pantries, living in shelters. And I just always knew that there was more. And I said, I'm going to be the one that's going to save the family from that. And I, I took on a role as an athlete and athletics at that young age allowed me to kind of be an, it was an outlet for me, right? All the stuff that I was seeing and going through in life athletics was my outlet and I became pretty good at athletics and wound up um, being a very good basketball player, which took me out to Tulsa, Oklahoma to actually play some basketball at a school called Oral Roberts University, ORU. And that freshman year at ORU, there was a pretty girl on campus and uh, I laid basically what my mom taught us at a young age aside and everybody was chasing this, this, this pretty girl on campus and coach JC won. I landed her, but that's where my story took a, a turn for the worst is actually she got pregnant, pregnant freshman year, um, at ORU, uh, which was frowned upon. And I started, uh, I, I wound up losing my opportunity to play basketball at that moment and ended up at that moment in the fight of my life to be a father, uh, in, in a 600 square foot apartment face down contemplating suicide. And it was at that moment, $400,000 in debt, suicidal, that I had to make a decision 
Um, and I did some strategic things at that time, were able to overcome that downtime, turn a loss, which looked like a loss, into a win, and uh, went on from that to become the youngest strength coach in the nation at ORU at 23 years old, trained some of the top athletes in the world. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, I was able to take that, that, that what looked like a loss into a win and, and uh, that, that kind of propelled my fitness career. But more than that, the personal development industry and what I believe that I was called to do through that downtime. Mm, wow. That's incredible. So where yeah. did the, where did the $400,000 in debt come from? So when, uh, so basically a custody battle. Yeah. Oh. So I was, yeah, so this young girl gets pregnant. They tell us the, the the next best thing to do is get married. And my family's like on the East Coast. They're like, you're in Oklahoma by yourself. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to get married? Like, you don't have to make a mistake. You made one mistake. Like, what are you going to do? So I wound up getting married. I didn't really even know the young girl I was marrying. And we knew each other for like four months. And then one thing led to another. And we were divorced in six months. And all of a sudden, she's gone. And my daughter's gone. And I find myself at 20 years old uh, in a custody battle just, just in a fight to be a father. And, you know, all things do work together for good. And that's my message. My daughter, I've been blessed to raise her. She's 17 now. She's thriving. She's a worship leader at our church. She's got big goals and dreams. And, you know, she's I've been blessed to be able to raise her. So, you know, everything did come around and work out uh, for good. Yeah, that's quite an experience at such a young age. And I think that's such a good point. Like at the time, you think you're doing the right thing. But I mean, in reality, that this is part of your story now, right? You're, you're able to to share that, and I think was that instance kind of where your whole messaging has come from? Absolutely. You know, Sarah, I think the big thing, and everybody listening right now, we all have a story, right? Everybody, you have a story. I have a story. We grow up with a story that we create for ourselves. And the question I have for the listeners right now, Sarah, is what happens when that story that you orchestrated, that you thought was going to work out one way, doesn't work out that way? You know, or, you know, you get hit by a circumstance of life, adversity, obstacles, circumstances of life happen. And for me, my whole identity was caught up in basketball. That's what my dream was. And I was going to rescue my family and I was going to go on to play in the NBA. And that was I was going to play Division One. And so I think there's a lot of people that are listening, especially in the fitness industry that I talk to every single day, that they had this story. They were going to open this dream gym, this dream facility. They were going to marry this person. They were going to live in this kind of house. And all of a sudden now they've given up on their dream because it didn't work out the way that they planned it to work out. And I honestly believe the greatest gift we have in life, Sarah, is the gift of perspective. That's the one thing I did at that time is I just changed how I saw the situation. And I remember hearing Tony Robbins say something at such a young age when I was desperate, just trying to find a way out. And I actually read it in a book and he said, the meaning of anything in life only has the meaning that you choose to give it. And it was at that time where that just clicked. And I said, wait a second, maybe I'm actually going through this for a reason. And life's not about what happens to you, but it's about how you respond. And a listener might be listening right now and say, man, I want to open that gym, but it didn't work out. And, you know, I'm just struggling right now and try to pay the bills. And man, I know that God has a bigger calling on my life and I want to transform lives and help people win and finish. But I don't I just don't know how to do it because it didn't work out the way that I expected to work out. And if you could just right now understand that the greatest gift you have is perspective and shift the way that you're viewing the situation, it can change everything in an absolute instance for you. But so many times as human beings, we don't have our story that we create for ourselves. Adversity hits, hits, and all of a sudden we're like, well, we get all flustered and we say, what do I do now? I don't know anything else. And a lot of times we retreat, we give up. We say, maybe, maybe this, I, we start to question 
Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do. We take on a new identity and we start to believe that we're somebody that we weren't supposed to be. And all of a sudden we end out down this rabbit trail and we look in the mirror one day and we say, wait a second, how did I get here? So all I did at that time, Sarah, is I started to give the story a new meaning. And I said, what if I was to create a new story at this moment and be able to take this loss and turn it into a win? The greatest gift we have is perspective. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think in like resilience, changing perspective, it's all part of the success model, right? And it's it's interesting because it never actually works out exactly the way that you plan it to be. (laughs) Yeah, really. When does it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. When does it work out exactly the way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when did you open up your facility then? Or what was that like in the beginning days? Well, it's funny. I was the uh, when I was a strength coach at ORU in 2003 and 2004. I wish I said that I, I love training athletes. Uh, but my goal in opening our first boot camp and getting that idea is basically I was desperate to make money. I had to get out of $400,000 in debt. There was a do or die situation. There was a sense of urgency. Right. So there was a sink or swim moment. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I can't pay attorney bills. I I can't get out of this $400,000 debt. Man, I'm never going to be able to go do the things I need to do. Most importantly, fight to be a dad. And um, I said, man, I've got to figure out if I'm going to get out of this industry and not do what I love to do, and that's fitness and athletes, and maybe I'm just going to go do something else just to make money. And I decided at that moment that I wasn't going to. I decided at that moment that I was going to figure out how to make money doing what I love to do. But um, the Boot Camp Tulsa idea started in, 2000 and, in 2008 uh, out of desperation, out of a sense of urgency to make money. And uh, we started with eight hungry women. I got the idea from being a lifeguard on the Jersey Shore. We used to train on the beach outdoors. And I'm like, wait a second. What if we just did that in Tulsa? And all of a sudden, I started the first ever outdoor fitness boot camp. Before boot camps were even popular, no one even knew what they were. They're like, boot camp? What's that? Is it from like my bad kids? Can I send my kids there? They curse at me. And I'm like, no, no, this is for women that want to lose weight. And um, we uh, we just niched down to women that want to lose weight. And it was an outdoor fitness program. And we said, you don't need a gym. You don't need a personal trainer. Come out to a local park. We teamed up with the Tulsa Parks at the time. And we gave a dollar back off every membership to Tulsa Parks. And uh, one thing led to another eight locations later. So it was in 2008 where that first business started out of desperation just to make money. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because I think a lot of people want to be, you know, train the celebrities or the athletes or have that big vision for themselves. But in order to get started out, you really do need to go for gen pop and, and niche down to what the majority of people want. I think that's brilliant. You know, women who want to lose weight and doing it in boot camp style, not a lot of equipment required. I think that is genius. And it is where most people should start. And then when did the athletes start building out for you? Well, so at that time, I was the strength coach at ORU, so I was training athletes. Right. Um, and I had athletes that would come to me and say, well, man, you helped me, uh, you know, get to where I'm going. I'm getting drafted, and I'm, I'm going to go do this and play professional. Um, and uh, one thing led to another, and all of a sudden I said, man, there's, there's really a need for athletes to be trained in Tulsa outside of just the collegiate level. So I started training a ton of pro athletes at that point. Word started to spread. You know, one guy told another guy, here's the results I got. I did great in the NFL Combine or, you know, NBA. And they just started to send their friends. And, you know, I, I, at ORU, when I was there as a strength coach, I would see athletes that would come into me at the collegiate level. And I would say, hey, what's your goals? And they would tell me their goals. And I would say, do you have any pre-existing injuries? And I saw that the injuries list was bigger than the goal list. And I was like, wait a second, what's going on at the high school level? So just out of passion, I would pack up my little uh, Nissan Sentra at the time, and I would go out to high schools, and I would just you know, impart into the, 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 
softball coach or the basketball coach and I'd say, hey, man, you're doing a great job as a coach, but you're missing a component, strength and conditioning. Let me help you. And I would design a strength and conditioning program for a volleyball team or you know, a basketball team or a football team. And I just gave back for so many years that I built a reputation in the town that when the time came, I said, wait a second, I could open a facility and all of these high school coaches that I built all this rapport with for free over the years just sowed so many seeds man, they'll probably send their athletes, right? Mm -hmm. So I sowed a bunch of seeds at the time. And then later on in 2010, when I opened a facility, I I reaped the harvest of all these high school coaches and parents sending all their kids here. So I opened a gym, a facility with already a base of clientele because of what I sowed earlier. And, 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 you know, Sarah, that's a great message. I want to pause there for a second. Yeah, I was going to pause you too. Please continue. Because you said something earlier where you said, you know, a lot of times we want to we want to do it sexy and cool and train a pro athlete. But I think that cripples a lot of people in the fitness industry. And I talk to individuals all the time that hit me up on social media and say, how'd you build that? How'd you do this? And, I, and so many, I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of people that don't want to, you know, sow seeds anymore. Man, I started as an intern. I started vacuuming a trap. I started cleaning up sweat off the off the mats and the pads and the weight room. And like I made no money. And everybody nowadays wants to just instant gratification, wake up and say, wait, I'm the latest and greatest trainer and coach. And I'm like, when did you work in the trenches? Yeah. So I think I think to the new, younger, you know, trainer nowadays, if they're listening, I would say, man, get your foot in the door. There's no greater currency in life than building two things a reputation for what you do and relationships. And if you could start to build relationships, sowing seeds at the top gyms, that's what I did. I would save my money and travel around the world at Martin Rooney, you know, a great friend of mine nowadays, training for warriors. Man, he knows me and I know him because I saved up money when I was in college to go travel back to New Jersey where I'm from in Fairlawn, New Jersey and work with him free and help out training New York Giants. And, and that led to a relationship. So right now, I would just say sow seeds. I was able to reap a harvest and open a facility and have a reputation, but that's from four years of just sowing and giving and giving and giving. And I believe when you live to give that you will reap a harvest. Yeah, there's so much impatience nowadays. And I, I mean, it's all inflated and because of, you know, make your first six figures in your first 30 days or whatever. And I, I think like I hate that hype marketing because it doesn't put into perspective what it takes to actually build a concrete business. So making the relationships, networking, partnerships, doing shit for free. <laughs> like Absolutely. people don't understand that concept. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Then Joe's launching a podcast and I want to get you on his podcast because you guys would really align well with talking about that, that partnership and, and doing the trenches. My business started online because for two years I was putting myself out on YouTube and on Facebook. This was before Instagram. And I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was giving value to a community for two years before I ever started a business. So you, you can't get something from nothing. And it Huge. takes, it takes building up that, that reputation, that awareness and those networks and connections. So I love, love, love that you said that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I want to talk about your first responders program because this is what really hit home with me when I met you down in uh, uh, Santa Monica there or in Chino Hills. Tell us about what this is because I think it's so unique and it's so niched and just the way it's built up. Explain to our listeners what this is. Well, let me tell you really quick how it started so you can just understand again. You know, I think a lot of times, Sarah, we don't take time as individuals to just be quiet and seek and listen. And I think we get so busy with what you just said, the shiny objects, mm-hmm. you know, make $100,000, six figures, this, and we just chase all the rabbits, right? 
But I'll never forget when I was desperate in the fight of my life to be a father. My daughter was living in Minnesota at the time. It was a 12-hour drive from Oklahoma. I would drive up there every other weekend to see my daughter. And I went up there one weekend, drew, and I would leave at uh, 5 a.m. in the morning on Friday. I would get there at 5 p.m. I'd pick my daughter up and then hang out with her Friday evening, Saturday. And then Sunday, I would leave at 1, a, 1 p.m to get back at 1 a.m. and then I'd have to get up at 4 a.m. to be a strength coach. And I did that for eight years. But there was one, there was many, yeah, there was many, there was many, there was many times where uh, this happened, but this was one time that I'll never forget. And this is what birthed the first responder program is I remember this time when I drove up there, showed up at a Walmart to actually pick my daughter up and her grandparents at the time showed up and said, we're not, you're not going to see your daughter. We're not bringing her. And I remember as a young, a young dad, I'm like, what do you mean? And I had no money. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have attorneys yet. I didn't, I, I didn't, I was like, what do I do? And I, out of frustration, I just got in my car weeping down and out desperate. I just started driving back to Oklahoma. And I remember it was like probably 11 AM. It was late. It was dark. I was crossing the Iowa border going into Kansas city. And I was going hundred miles an hour trying to swerve off the road, thinking maybe my daughter's better without me. Maybe I should just take my life. And this is one of the instances where I was thinking about committing suicide. And, and I remember just pitch dark, just weeping and crying why this happened. And all of a sudden I hear sirens and a cop pulls me over. And I remember he comes up, knocks on the window and, um, I roll down my window and he says, what are you doing? Trying to kill yourself? And I said, man, actually, officer, that would be really nice right now. And, it, and, and here's what he said that impacted me for, for, for life is he said, what's going on? And he sat there and listened to me as I don't even remember, just diarrhea of the mouth. I'm like, man, I went up here to see my daughter. I've been in the fight to be a father. All I want to be. And I just told him my situation. And this, this officer looked at me and he said, I just want to let you know everything's going to be okay. But here's the power in what he said. He said, everything you're going through right now it has to happen for you to become the man that you're called to be. Mm. And I remember, I remember an offer and I'm like, I, I got angry at first. I'm like, what is, he has no idea what I'm going through. I don't even know if I'm gonna make it back, back to Tulsa because I don't even have enough money in my bank account for gas. And, and I remember just looking at him, he goes, just slow down, make it, I don't want you to kill anybody. I don't want you killing yourself. You might hit a deer. And I don't remember the whole conversation we had, but I remember those words as I drove back to Oklahoma, I shifted my perspective and the meaning of the situation. I started to realize, hold on, maybe this hasn't happened for me to get to where I am. This is years ago. But once I started to become successful and had some success and impact, you know, after four books and doing great things, I said, you know what? Man, that cop changed my life that day. I might be dead today. If he didn't say those words to me, the next four hours as I drove back to Tulsa, I started to shift my mindset and say, wait a second, this has to happen. You know what? This is all going to mold me for the impact I'm going to have on life. And that's when I decided, man, I'm going to start to give back to first responders. Man, they, they see a lot every single day. They put their life on the line for our communities. But what if they had a program that they could come to and be fit for duty and fit for life? And just four years ago, we put together a nonprofit called Fit First Responders to give back. We went out and we go out to, the, to this day. We raise hundreds and thousands of dollars to basically bring the agencies to our facility. And we provide a comprehensive Fitness program, yes, but a full-blown-out wellness program to give them everything they need to be fit for duty and fit for life. Why? Because first responders are the heroes, and they do a lot for our communities. But here's what's crazy as well. Suicide's at an all-time high. 
Depression is at an all-time high. Obesity is at an all-time high. Substance abuse is at an all-time high. So we say, what good is it as a first responder if you're showing up to the job every single day to be fit for duty, but you are losing in life? Divorce is at an all-time high. So the program's changed so many lives. We're four years in now. We now have a national brand. I wrote a book on it. We now have an online membership site where first responders are joining every single day and tuning in, and they come to us to help them be their best on the job and off the job. But again, it was something that was birthed years ago from some a police officer that had an impact on my life. And I said, years later, it's my way to give back. So mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. And all non-for-profit too. And it's so niched. And it's, yeah, you look at, you know, the, the police officers, the, the fire responders, it, they see the worst of the worst. And it's interesting because they should be the most fit people because they need to be first on the scene and, and maybe carrying bodies out or, you know, climbing up ladders. Yeah. But you look at their diets, you look at their lifestyle, you look at the high stress. What has been some of the feedback from the transformations that you've, you've had with those people? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, we started off with uh, basically 40 guys from the SWAT team, the SOT team, um, and we saw, yes, weight loss and the fitness side of it. But once we finished the first class four years four years ago, Sarah, we started to hear the testimonies and the stories and the feedback of saying, man, I went through the eight-week challenge. I went through 12 weeks with you guys, and I lost 30 pounds. But then what you don't know is before that, man, I had diabetes and now the doctor's telling me that my diabetes is going away and all of a sudden they're off insulin. And then you have the story where the individual says, man, I came to you because I wanted to get get in better shape to be fit for duty. And what you don't know is, man, six weeks ago when I joined, me and my wife were separated and we were gonna get a divorce and now our marriage is restored. Or the first responder that came not too long ago and said, man, I haven't told anybody, I was on 17 prescription drugs when I joined 25 weeks ago and I was suicidal thinking about taking my life and this program saved my life. So, and and what I do in fitness is way deeper than just fitness. I mean, our program, you know, when I went through what I went through, I studied psychology, I got life coaching certifications. I built a lot of mental and emotional conditioning and training into our fitness. And that's one of the reasons that we have great success. But again, going back to the listener that's listening right now, niche down, become an expert, become great in something. Don't just be another trainer. What is your Superman? What, what are you great at? So for me, people come to me because they know Coach JC is a great motivator. He's a great energizer. But I know without a doubt if I interact with him that he's not only going to help me transform my body, but, man, other areas of my life are going to be better. Man, that dude has something that he says, mindset, emotionally, and I wrote books on it. So, again, what are you becoming an expert in? You've heard it said before. If you study something one hour a day for five years, you'll become great at it. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I did. I started to study everything I get my hands on and how to extrinsically but also intrinsically motivate people, psychology behind motivation and how to get people to buy into to what to my story, but more importantly, creating their story. And so, again, yes, we niche down into population, women in weight loss boot camp, you know, athletes and sports performance, just athletes. And then, yes, first responders and fitness. So if you don't do that, you're going to have a hard, hard time trying to figure out how to be successful in the fitness industry because everybody nowadays is a trainer. Mm. So niche down, train one specific population, become really, really good at that and have some kind of expert, some kind of wow factor, some kind of wheelhouse that everybody comes to you for because no one else could do it the way you do, you know? Yeah. And that's how you become known. That's how you attract. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think that so many trainers and fitness professionals don't understand that concept and they stay just 
an average run-of-the-mill trainer? Yeah, I think complacency is a, is a, is a, a very common thing within the fitness industry. And I think, again, we want instant gratification. So if we don't get the result that we want right away, then all of a sudden we quit or we give up. So here's the first question I ask everybody that comes to me for coaching is I say, what do you want? And a lot of trainers, they really don't know. No, really, genuinely, what do you want? Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, you know, my people perish. So a lot of times I, I have people be very specific and vivid. What kind of gym do you want? What does that look like? What's the kind of transformations you want to make? What's the kind of impact you want to have? Most people say, well, I want to, I want to help people. What does that mean? Yeah. You can't have a generic answer. I think a lot of us, a lot of times we get lost because if you don't know a hundred percent what you want and why you do what you do, you will constantly jump to the next shiny object. What's cool, what's sexy, what's convenient at the moment. And I think a lot of times, Sarah, for me, my businesses were birthed out of do or die moments. And if you're listening right now and you're, you're a trainer and you don't have enough pain in your life, you've got to start to ask yourself some pain-induced questions to, to get motivated. I was do or die $400,000 in debt where I said, I'm done living a mediocre life. And I had it was, it was sink or swim. It was do or die. It was a sense of urgency. I had to apply the pressure to my life. And I talk to a lot of people nowadays where trainers and they're comfortable. They're comfortable making this amount of money monthly. They're comfortable trans transforming, you know, 20 people a month. I'm like, I was never comfortable with 20 people walking through my gym. I was never comfortable making $2,000 a month, $5,000 a month. I always wanted to change more lives. I always wanted to be out of $400,000 in debt. And it drove me. And a lot of times I ask people pain-induced questions. What are you missing out on in life? What do you really, really want deep down inside? I know why I do what I do. But when I ask those questions, there's a lot of trainers that are young in the industry. They have no idea really what they want. They haven't been specific and vivid in that. And they have no idea why they do what they do. And if you don't know those things, you don't have a drive or a juice, you just quit too easy. You give up too easy. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. Now, with coming from your background and how you are raised, like growing up on food stamps to, you know, everything you have now and everything that you're doing, I think it's one thing, like everybody can have a grand vision for themselves. Have you had to get over any money blocks or any changing your money story at all in order to get to where you are? Yo, 100%. 100%. I grew up extremely poor. Um, I had a poverty mentality in that, you know, we lacked for a lot, but I always knew deep down inside that I was going to impact a lot of people. So there came a point in my life where I had to, I had to change my relationship with money. And initially I didn't have to sell. I was scared to sell, right? Because I couldn't ask somebody for this amount of money because I didn't have the money. And then there was also, um, a relationship I had to create where I understood my value and when I understood my value and what I could give, I started to understand the difference between spending money and investing money. And that shifted my entire perspective of life. So now when I go to sell a product, I know without a doubt that me personally, I understand the relationship. I have a money that it's in, I'm not spending money. I'm investing money. And I think a lot of people, they still live with such a lack a poverty mentality that's hard for them to ask for a sale a sale it's hard for them to go invest in themselves in a program or a process because they think i'm spending and i'm going to lose it that's what spending is i'm going to spend money i'm not going to get a return but if you shift your perspective and say i'm going to i'm going to invest this and expect a return and when i invest this money and i'm diligent in the process i will get a return it changes everything and that was for me i had a really and it was a process don't get me wrong it took me probably about a year to two years to overcome the poverty ment mentality and mindset 
to come to a, fa- a place where I said, you know what? I know without a doubt that if I have more money, I can impact more lives. And my motive is pure. And so wait a second. I, maybe if I go make more money, I could start another facility. Maybe if I make more money, I could give back to charity. Maybe if I make more money, I could start a nonprofit like Fit First Responders. Man, maybe if I make more money, my, my family would never have to suffer the way that I did growing up. So I have many different motivators for me to create financial freedom. But the number one motivator is to be able to get to create financial freedom, to be able to create time freedom, to be able to go and fulfill my calling and my purpose and my destiny on the earth. And that's impact as many lives as possible and help people break through and overcome in life. So, mm-hmm. and I think you hit on a really key point with fitness professionals. I think they're, they don't understand their value and the actual transformation that they give to people. Like everything that you were talking about there, getting over diabetes or getting off prescription medications, like fixing a marriage, huge. Like training and fitness, like is so much more than just that hour that you spend with someone. It's huge. Yeah. 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 And I tell, I tell my coaches, anytime you walk to the gym and you're not feeling motivated, we have a YouTube channel. We have so many before and afters pictures and stories. I was like, go put one of those stories on that. You know, you changed their life that where somebody was suicidal and looks you in the eyes and said, you saved my life. I was going to take my life and you're responsible for that. I mean, if that doesn't motivate you, I don't know whatever will, but yeah, that the great, the greatest way to get motivated is to get a result and see somebody that is a fruit of your labor. Wow. I actually helped produce that not only weight loss, but we know the fitness aspect of stuff is way deeper than losing weight. It's what it does. It's uh, for people emotionally and spiritually and mentally and the self-confidence and self-esteem. All of a sudden they take on a new, a new identity and they're a better version of them in all these areas of life. So I, I agree with you. I think that's, that's a huge motivator for trainers if they can get the results in people and go back and reflect and say, wow, you know, God used me to be able to produce that result. And now I got to be on a serious mission. There's more people that need what I have. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it took me hitting rock bottom. It took me hitting rock bottom, bouncing back up and knowing I have a calling on my life. And people ask me all the time, man, you have a ridiculous amount of certainty. Like people use that word me all the time because I was there. I mean, when you're suicidal, $400,000 in debt, and somehow you get through that, you become the youngest strength coach in the nation. You write four books. You open, I, I was blessed to open up for Donald Trump at, when he campaigned speaking. Like, yeah, I, I saw I've been that. blessed. That's I've awesome. spoken on like that doesn't just happen. No. Right. So when that happens, then I know deep down inside that I have a calling and I know if people interact with me that I'm certain that I can radically change their life. And I think a lot of trainers and I think a lot of younger people in the industry, they haven't gotten the results like that where they don't have that belief yet. And that's certainty. And I think belief and certainty for a trainer is absolutely a game changer because clients will buy into you bigger than any other thing you could sell. If you could sell them on belief and certainty, so many people lack belief and hope in their life and they lack certainty. If they look at you and you say, no, I know I'll change your life, Sarah. I know if you join my program in 20, in, in the next you know, six weeks, you'll lose 20 pounds. Man, all of a sudden you believe in me. I don't believe in myself. Wow. Yeah. So belief, belief and certainty are huge. Yeah. Well, getting someone to believe in you is one of the main things about selling, right? They have to believe that you have the answers for them. And the more certain you are, the more likely they are to buy from you. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So where did this whole leadership role start for you? And how was that like building out a team and now building out, you know, multiple businesses and actually becoming an, an entrepreneur and not just, you know, hours for dollars or a solopreneur? Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, it, it definitely started with me doing all the training, um, me doing all the programming, which me is where spending, it should start, right? Where, yeah. yeah. And absolutely. And I, I, I got to a place where I knew for me that I had a bigger calling on my life. And 
I also got to a place where I crossed paths with, with individuals that wanted to coach, but they got out of the industry because they couldn't make money doing it. And I said, wait a second, what if I could figure out a way to get these people that have passion to coach and they want to do what I do and they want to make a living doing it? What if I could really get a coach to work for me and make $100,000 a year? Man, no one's doing that around here. Most trainers are making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year. I mean, statistics show that. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they have another, they have other jobs, or they quit and they go into another industry. So I saw these coaches, these young coaches, I, you know, grew to really love and have heart for. And I said, man, I want to help them feel the fulfillment I have to change lives and make it a career. And you know what? I'm eventually. I know that my calling in life is bigger, and I'm going to start speaking more. That I've got to start to remove myself from the processes. I can't work in the business anymore. I got to work on the business. So I started to figure out, I remember hearing, um, and I forget who it was. It might've been Tony Robbins. He said, when every time you're trying to make a decision in life, if you're an entrepreneur and you're running a business, you have to ask yourself these three questions. Is it something that I can do right now immediately? And, and, and coach JC has to do it. I'm the only one that can do it. Okay. If it is, then do it right then. Don't say, I'll think about it. I'll wait on it. Cause a lot of times what we do is we put all these ideas and all this, this, these things on the back burner, and then we live with this stress of emotional, you know, stress and physical. Stress. Oh my gosh, I have to get this done, this to do list, and that to do list. But I remember he said, if you're not going to do it right then, then you either have to do one of two things. End of the period. You either delegate it, or you deny it. You don't take it on. Mm-hmm. And I started to adopt that principle. And I said, okay, what does Coach JC have to do? What is he really good at? And what's going to get his brand to the next level so that we can make more money? So I could train up more coaches. And still make the impact we're making, and these coaches can have the fulfillment I have to do this for a career. And I started to learn how to say no, and I started to learn how to remove myself from the coaching, which was extremely hard because you know it's training and developing other coaches to do what you do. And a lot of times, you think you're the best at it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and you and you really do. Yeah, it's a whole ego thing. It's it's an ego thing, and then it's also it's a thing of you have to put good processes in place. And you have to become a better trainer of teaching them how to be uh, as good as you are. And I got to a place where I said, I don't care. Maybe they'll never be as good as I am because I'm so passionate about it. It's my business. But what if I could get them 85, 90 percent? And I put great processes in place, hired people that were passionate. And I said, I'm not going and trying to find the best strength coach in the world. I'm going to find the guys. The guys that I attract are the ones that have a passion and I can trust and they have energy and they really want to do this. And I can train them in my systems and my processes, and then I'm going to learn how to say no. If I can't do it at the moment, I'm going to delegate stuff or I'm going to deny stuff, and I'm just going to be a. I'm just going to work in my genius, in my area, and I'm going to become the best at what I do, so I can grow my personal brand, grow the local brands, and be able to train up and mentor young guys to so take over. And we're, we're, we've been able to do that in all of our businesses, so it's been a huge blessing, and it's been such a. a ma- it's it's so satisfying seeing coaches that you've developed up now making the impact and seeing the look on their face to be able to say, wow, man, now I know what it feels like, like to be able to change a life and I'm actually getting paid to do this and I don't have to have a second job and I can actually do this for a career. And this is awesome. So that, that was my, that was kind of my, my motivating factor in how we did it. Mm, that's awesome. Cause leadership takes a whole new level of skills and you learn a lot about yourself. And if you can't be a good leader, then the whole company just falls apart. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, like I'll show you here. I mean, it's a lot of it was reading. A lot of it was changing 
A lot of it was changing my my reading from I started to stop researching programming, but this is all John Maxwell leadership books. I conscious, love him. conscious co- coaching, the heart of a leader. I mean, I've I've read so many books over the years, but I changed what I was studying. I said, okay, how am I going to learn how to manage people, but more importantly, lead people? How am I going to learn the keys of communication? How am I going to le- learn things now that I'm not going to study the programming anymore. I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. My heart's changed that. They'll be able to do that. And I'll train up them to do that. So I shifted what I studied and what I, what I was becoming great at, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause you need to up level your skills and any, any new level of your business takes a different level of you. So can you look back now and see how much growth you have had through that experience of leadership? Oh, a ton of growth. I mean, we went through so many ups and downs. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it, we, we went through, uh, employees that, uh, issues with employees and, and that's just the the world of business, right? Yeah. The world of business that, uh, you are going to take on, you are going to experience, but I believe that again, everything you go through, if you know and 100% know that it had to happen to get me to the leader I'm going to be, I think one of the things that's changed my life, Sarah, that I think will help a listener right now is extreme ownership, responsibility. Mm. There's a lot of things that happen to me in life that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't cause, I didn't control, I couldn't control. But even though I couldn't. I learned at a young age, again, from studying and researching and being being in masterminds and mentorships where they said, take responsibility for everything. When you learn how to take extreme ownership and responsibility, you will come, come out of any loss winning because you say, wait a second, it's not a loss. What did I learn from that employee that might have did me dirty? Well, you know what? I'm not going to put the blame and throw the blame on him. What did I learn? What did I do? What could I have done different? And if you take that on and you can learn it as a human being in a marriage, in a business, to learn that say, I'm going to take full responsibility, I'm going to take full ownership, no matter what happens in my life, no matter where I'm at today, it's my fault, period. You will win all day long because you will change the questions you ask, you'll change and you'll no longer play the blame game, you'll no longer play victim, and you'll find solutions to problems rather than continue to find problems. And that's one of the things I did that radically changed my life. Mm, yeah, that's, that is gold for anybody listening right now, like rewind this, go back and listen to that because the second you start to take ownership for everything happening in your life, that actually puts you in a point of empowerment because you have the ability to change it. The second you start using disempowering words or victim mentality or, you know, blame, then that takes a power away from you. And this is where I think people, they say they, people will stay stuck. People will yep. not get the solutions that they need. They will not move forward. They'll end up just giving up or retreating because they don't take that, that ownership. That's awesome. Thank you. That's so, huge. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so I think it's interesting, like all through our whole talk, you've been talking about connecting dots and your story. And I think this is a really great lesson through this whole talk today about <laughs> what you have been through is leading you to where you're, you're about to go. Because, you know, you have a, you know, a really great backstory. You've been through a lot. And during those dark times, like you mentioned, you probably wanted to give up. You know, you talked about even ending your life. And I think anybody listening here who is struggling through anything, you know, thinking that, you know, life's not going to go on or that they don't know how to get out of a situation, it's actually building up something for later on. Because if you hadn't have been through what you went through, you wouldn't have book content. You, nope. wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to coach the way that you do now. You yep. wouldn't have wanted to up-level and go into leadership. So I think this whole conversation has been 
Amazing. How did you get into writing books or what sparked that whole venture for you? You know, that's a funny question. You know, a great question is, um, you know, back in 2008, when I started Bootcamp Tulsa, I was at an actual Ryan Lee event. Ryan Lee, a uh, great guy. I mean, I think he runs a, a program now called Freedom, a business coach out in um, out in Connecticut. And I remember somebody said the quickest way to become an expert in any area is write a book. And I never thought about writing a book. I never like was I'm going to write a book. I was never like on my bucket list. And I thought about it. And I was like, wait a second. There's there's a lot of trainers in Tulsa. There's a lot of gyms, but nobody has a book. Like this was back in the day before like everybody wrote a book was popular. So I'm like, if I wrote a book, maybe that would help me get on the news and I would be able to sell out my boot camps. So seriously, within 30 days, I wrote my first book, got it published, and it exploded our local business, our boot camp. I wrote the book geared towards weight loss. I had a goal in the book. The goal was to exactly speak to the same population that I'm speaking to at the boot camp Tulsa program. And uh, it's called the secret to real weight loss success. And I put a whole workouts in there, a whole program in there. I gave away everything. And I said, okay. And then all of a sudden coach JC has a book and all the media starts calling. Everybody starts calling. I start giving out these books at women's events. And all of a sudden our boot camp explodes. So I'm like, wait a second. When I opened my gym, I did the same thing for sports performance. I said, you know, I have something that I believe is a game changer in athletics. Just like you train your body, you can train your mind. I created a 27 day game plan that we've used successfully for mental conditioning for athletes. I said, I'm going to put it into a book and that's how I'm going to promote everybody that comes to the gym. When you join athletes come, you're going to get this book. It's your blueprint. Just like you train your body, you can train your mind. Pro athletes used it. We have Joe Theismann, you know, who's a hall of fame quarterback, you know, went through the book and endorsed the book, you know, a lot of pro athletes. So I wrote the book and then used that to grow my expertise in the athletic world. And then, you know, teams would call and say, can we bring you in to speak to our, you know, NBA team or our NFL team? You're an expert on it, right? And then, funny story, I wrote my third book, was a business book, and I was at an actual event in Las Vegas. I was leaving the event, I'm on the bus ride to the airport and the shuttle, and some lady looks at me, she's from Canada, and she says, hey, we really loved what you had to say, we wanna bring you into our business, our company, but we don't want you to talk about weight loss, do you have any book about business or the life coaching thing you do? And I was like, absolutely, I have a book on that. I didn't have a book. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, you know, I just learned, like, sometimes you just got to do it. Like, don't procrastinate. Procrastination kills yourself. And I was like, when do you want me to speak? She's like, well, the event's like in 60 days. I'm like, holy crap. I got home. I wrote my third book. She booked me. And it was one of my, like, first speaking engagements in the corporate world for 2500 bucks. And I was like, I'm going to turn that down. And they bought books for everybody. There were like 250 people that came through. And I wrote that book in 30 days and got it published called The Secret to uh, Real Life Success, How to Win in Business and in Life. And it's a 27-day game plan. So, and then my last book, what do you think I wrote it on? Fit First Responders. I love it. How to be fit for duty and fit for life for first responders. Now I have the blueprint and first responder agencies all over the nation buy this book as their curriculum to give to their first responders to help prevent obesity, suicide, PTSD, and help their first responders be fit for duty, fit for life. So. That's kind of my book journey. My next book I write is going to be all about the win all day movement. Um, and that's going to be one that's going to be a little bit more about my story um, and a uh, game plan in there. But that's one that we're going to looking at getting 
like I self-published my other books. This mm-hmm. next one, we're looking at getting a publishing deal and uh, we're going to do something a little bigger with it. So Good. I love it. So purely from a marketing standpoint, and I think a lot of people are going that route. Now, when you hear that people write books, like, I mean, you know, you're not John C. Maxwell. And I think a lot of people can hold yeah. off from putting that written word down. But it, it's not about to write a book to make money. It'll come like on the back end, right? With, uh, with just putting your name out there, getting your expert level up. I love it. It's been one of the greatest things. I mean, I've gotten so much publicity from it, uh, free PR. I'm talking that you can't, you people pay hundreds and thousands of dollars for free PR because I'm an author. And you know what? One, I like I said earlier, I believe every step you take in life leads you to the next step. No matter where you're at right now, just take take another step, right? So I know that me writing book one, book two, book three, book four, it forced me to grow. Mm. It forced me to impact more lives and train more people. And now all of a sudden, the next book that's coming, I'm having publishing companies come to me saying, hey, man, we want to put your story in a book. That would have never happened if I wasn't an author four times before and they saw that this guy's serious and he built a following and he, and he knows what he's doing from a marketing perspective. They wouldn't have came to me and said that because then I'm just another guy. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think it was the greatest marketing tool I ever used. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love that you just jump and you'll figure it out on the way down. Like, isn't that really what business is? Like most of the time, like we kind of know what we're doing, but we're just figuring it out as we go. And I feel like too many people, they, they sit and they wait and they perfect. And like, do you believe that that's, um, that would kill your success if you waited for everything to be perfect? A hundred percent. You know, I did, I did have, I did have a fear when I first started business, I lived with some fear and I, I, I was the guy that thought, man, you know, maybe I need to think about, it. I need to talk to somebody. Uh, I don't want to make the wrong decision. And then it all snapped, I snapped out of that. And I was all of a sudden like, wait a second, I'm never going to make the impact. I think a lot of people wait until they feel hundred percent to do stuff. If you wait to feel hundred percent to do anything, you're never going to do anything. I mean, that's just why people losing their fitness. They're waiting until I feel 100% to go work out and go to the gym. So I'm a big believer in that um, I, n- I no longer allow emotions to dictate and determine what I do. There's a lot of times I don't feel like doing something, but I learned a long time ago that emotions will lie to you and emotions are false. And don't get me wrong, emotions are real, but it's what you do with them that matters. But I learned a long time ago that no longer emotions create my reality. I'm going to go create my own reality. And I think a lot of times we feel like procrastinating, we're tired, we feel lazy, we don't feel like being the best parent, the best you know, spouse, best in business, we don't feel like making the calls, we don't feel like staying late, or showing up early, and we allow our feelings to all of a sudden create our reality. I all of a sudden said, I'm no longer going to ever go by how I feel in these areas, I'm just going to act. And I know I'm on a mission and I know I have this calling in my life. And I think a lot of people listening right now, this is one principle that could change their life. There's so many things they put on the back burner because they don't feel like doing it or it didn't work out the way they wanted to the first time. But I know if you just go and start acting and every single day learn how to win the day, do one more thing today, then one more thing tomorrow, all of a sudden you're going to see a month, two months, three months down the road, you're like, wait a second, my business is working out. So feelings, I just don't go by feelings anymore. I just take crazy, ridiculous action. And you know what? Sometimes I come up short. Sometimes it's a risk and it doesn't work out. But I'd rather take the risk that it doesn't work out than to look back with regret and say, what if or if only? Because that's a horrible feeling in life. Yeah. 
I mean, that's such a key point, especially correlating to fitness, right? I mean, I don't always want to go to the gym. I don't always want to do cardio. I don't always want to eat right. And, you know, those listening here with the clients that you have, what are you telling them to do? Do it anyways. Fitness fitness and business, it's so correlated. It's, and if you, and I mean, I've seen you, I'm looking at you now, like you have a great body, you're in shape. Do you maintain the same discipline with your fitness as you do for your business? Do you, do you do that correlation? Yeah. I mean, obviously my priorities have changed. Like I was just telling somebody earlier, my workout no longer, I don't, I don't ever have a workout that takes longer than about 40 minutes because my focus has changed. I used to work out for two hours, but I'm not bodybuilding. I'm not powerlifting. My goals have changed. I know within a 40 minute time frame, I can get a very effective workout. My most valuable asset now is my time. So, but I'm very disciplined. I have what I call in life my non-negotiables, right? The things that are non-negotiable in my life. My date night with my wife every single week is a non-negotiable. My date night with my daughter every month is a non-negotiable. Me working out is a non-negotiable. So what does that mean? It's going to happen six days a week, sometimes seven days a week, but at least six days a week. I know Monday through Saturday, I am going to work out. It's a non-negotiable. Sometimes the time that I was planning on working out got messed up and something had to be arranged, but it might be eight o'clock at night. But it's a non, I don't go to bed without doing it because I made a non-negotiable in my life. It's things that I say, no, 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 100%. I'm going to make sure this happens because emotions aren't going to dictate and determine what I do like we talked about it earlier. So, yes, I'm very disciplined in a few areas. Fitness is one of them. Business is another one. How I manage my time is another one. of My winning hour that I created, my personal development time, which now is 30 minutes, nothing takes me off of that. If I'm on vacation, it doesn't matter. Every single day of the week, I have 30 minutes where I'm growing spiritually, mentally, emotionally so that I can be my best, so I can give my best. And they're just non-negotiables in life. I think a lot of times we don't create those non-negotiables. We just say, well, if I feel like it, I'll do it. If time allows, I'll I'll do it. And all of a sudden, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night rolls around. You're like, I didn't work out. I didn't my personal time. I didn't love on my spouse. And all of a sudden, we wonder why we wake up one day and we're like, how did I ever get here? So you got to create your non-negotiables in life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Any other uh, high-performance habits or tips you have for us here? Um, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the whole philosophy that I created years ago is the, just win the day. And my whole mantra is win all day. And I think the, the, the I want to hear you say it all day. Oh, all day, baby. All day. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, so I really honestly believe that the, the thing that's helped me more than anything was my winning hour. It used to be a winning hour. Now it's only 30 minutes because my fitness is different from that, but it's personal development time for me. And when I started doing that, I was able to be the best version of me. And when you can lead yourself, then you can lead others. When you love who you are, then you could give the love. And there was a season when I wasn't doing that. And somebody challenged me to do that and said, what are you reading? You know, what's your prayer time like? What's your quiet time like? What's your visualization like? What's your meditation like? You know, I didn't have all those things in line. And my life was all over the place. But once I got laser focused, I created a blueprint and it's actually an ebook. You know, I can send it to you, you can send it to all your listeners if you want, it's free. But it's a 10 page ebook and it goes through my exact winning hour, my exact curriculum, what I do to win. And I believe that that's the greatest thing. Anybody that wants to be a high performer in life in any area, you've got to have time every single day where you just shut up and listen and you meditate and you say, I'm going to get grounded and I'm going to visualize where I'm going in the future and I'm going to meditate and I might pray and I might do meditation a different way than you, but it's my quiet time to develop me as the MVP, right? Cause you are the MVP so that you can then give your best and be your best. So 
Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. 100% agree. I mean, it starts with you, right? You can't be a good leader. You can't be a good coach. Like you're not wanting to show up on podcasts with energy like this if it doesn't start with you. So I, I love it. I love it. Um, we're almost at the top of our hour here, so I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Um, but I have one more question for you before we get to that. I ask all the listeners, where can we find you, creep you, learn more about JC? Yeah. I mean, obviously on the social media, you can either find me coach JC or the coach JC. And then, uh, my website's coachjc.com. Um, that ebook I was just talking about, it's a free ebook. Um, I'm trying to think of it. What it is right now? I think it's just coachjc.com for, for forward slash, um, winning hour. And you can go download that free ebook, you know, and then people could, you know, find me there. But social media is a great way to connect nowadays or coachjc.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So this is the, the fulfillment project and I, I end any, every episode with the exact same question. So I would love to know what does fulfillment mean to you? It's an awesome question. Again, I think fulfillment to me means this. I think Sarah, um, number one, it means how am I every single day fighting to, uh, make the greatest impact on the world, on the people I'm around it could be my, my daughter, my wife, my family, my mom, the people I'm around. I believe that everybody you cross paths with, you cross paths with for a reason. So fulfillment for me is when I lay my head on the pillow at night, I could ask myself the one simple question, was I the best version of me today? Did I maximize my God-given talent today? Was I the best version of me? Did I give the world what they deserve of Coach JC today? And if I could lay my head on the pillow at night and say yes to that, not, not a gray area. I, I think it's black or white. Did I fight to be my best today? And, and it's not about winning or losing, but physically. Did I get my workout in? Did, did mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in my relationships, business-wise, my mission, my calling, did I do everything I could do today to not be average, to not be mediocre, but to be my best so I can give my best. Did I help one person today uh, become a better version of them? Physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, it, it, that's what fulfillment is to me personally. That's what gets me flowing. That's what gets my juices flowing. That's what I uh, you know, really am motivated to do and, and what I love doing. I, I, so fulfillment to me is just making an impact. you know, and, and the impact doesn't have to be huge. It's not about being on the biggest stages. It's just every single day. It doesn't matter if it's the person in Walmart, the gas station, the gym. Did I make that person better today? And you never know what people are going through in life, right? People are always struggling and people are dealing with situations and uh, circumstances. So fulfillment fulfillment for me is uh, honestly living a life to give. You know, and that's what winning to me is, uh, making a lasting impact on somebody today. That's amazing. Thank you so much, JC. Absolutely. I'm honored. I'm grateful. Thanks for having me, Sarah. All day, baby. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Honestly, shows and podcasts like this are not possible without you. So I have so much gratitude for my listeners. You freaking rock. If you want to find me over on Instagram, I am Sarah.Fennel. Tag me in a post. Let me know what your favorite episode is. Hit me up with a DM. I will always write you back. Shows like this are not possible without ratings and reviews. So if you feel so moved, please write me an honest comment, an honest review, and let us know what you think of the show. 